0: I think that's what all of this is about for me is that um, you know I just want to do the best job that I can Um, and it just it being vegan fits in with my values that that makes it a bit of a no-brainer as far as those decisions the fact that as AFL players here particularly in Melbourne um, you're in the spotlight a lot of the time that's that's probably a separate part of it but for me i just want to i've i've thought a lot about okay what are the values that i want to live by as a person and that's just something that fits into that hello veggie mates
1: welcome back i'm stoked to have you here for another episode you just heard from professional australian footballer and vegan athlete ben brown from the north melbourne kangaroos i'm your host matthew davey and this is the veg talk podcast so last year, I set out to find inspiring people in the plant-based and vegan community from around the world. I wanted to share their stories and hope that there would be listeners out there who would be motivated to start eating more plants in their diet and make more conscious decisions about food and lifestyle. I thank you for listening and supporting uh, us as we grow the show. Anna recently started the podcast in Spanish and that is available by searching for veg talk on the podcast app of your choice we also both launch youtube channels where you can find clips from our episodes so please go and check us out and if you enjoy the content it would be really appreciated um, if you can subscribe to the channel or review the podcast on itunes so now let's turn the focus to this week's episode with afl athlete ben brown i'd like to thank my mum her friend Michelle Jacobs and Michelle's son Ben who also plays for North Melbourne for helping to tee this conversation up. I really do appreciate it and I'm excited to share Ben Brown's story with you all today. Ben is a plant-based athlete playing at the elite level in Australia for the North Melbourne Football Club. He has been their leading goal kicker three times in his five-year career and continues to be their main target going forward. However, Off the field, Ben is a husband, a new father, an ambassador for organizations such as domestic violence uh, leaders, Our Watch, uh, also for a Tasmanian charity called Lend a Hand to Hugo, which helps kids with autism, and also for Stand Up Events, which is a not-for-profit fighting sexual and gender discrimination in sport. Ben is a truly kind human being. He's using his platform to make positive change, and I hope you enjoy hearing from him today. See you all on the other side, Veggie Amigos. Cool. All right, guys. Today, we are here with Ben Brown. Uh, For you listeners back in America that don't uh, know of Ben, he is an AFL uh, player. That's a professional sport here in Australia, and he plays for the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Uh Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. So I suppose for the Americans at home, AFL completely foreign to them. Uh they've got yet you know, no real idea of, of what it is. We often get asked, so is it rugby? Is it soccer? We <laughs> often it?
0: get asked that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how would you describe AFL to a you know to a person that has never seen or heard of it before?
0: Um I think with the advent of things like youtube it's it's a good one you can go on online and they've got a couple of explanatory videos that kind of go for five or ten minutes um uh, yeah you do get asked a lot about whether it's rugby or not and i suppose the the idea of um you know football in america is is more um you know your, your nfl um which a lot of australians and a lot of my teammates are really into but You've obviously got the pads and helmets We don't have any of that that protective gear. So um, I suppose, you know, it looks a lot lot more like rugby um, in that we don't wear any of that protective gear. But um, I'd say, well, for one, I'd say it's a lot more interesting than rugby, but that's because I grew up in Tasmania, which is a big Aussie rules state. Um, It's, um, yeah, it's a bit of everything, I suppose. Yeah. Essentially, you're just trying to trying to kick goals, um, trying to put it through the big, the two big sticks near the end of the of the field. And um, apart from that, it's uh, you can kick the ball, you can pass it with your hands, you can um, you can mark the ball, which is essentially um, grabbing the ball after it's kicked. Um, it's, I, I mean you've kind of got to see it to to understand it, I think. I think
1: YouTube is the best way to go yeah, about it. That's YouTube what I, is good. <laughs> I usually direct people to YouTube um, and I think what they usually find is like, you know, the biggest hits or the biggest... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the biggest marks or yep. the best goals. It's probably not a bad place to start, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want to get a more in-depth education on it, they've definitely got some uh, short videos there that explain the rules of the game. Yeah. I did hear someone say similar to what you were ta- uh, talking about there was, you know, you're trying to score at either end, kick yep. it through the big, uh, the big sticks. And then in the middle of the ground, it's just kind of like an organized chaos. Yep. A hundred percent it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome game. Probably the, I think it's the best game in the world for me. So do I. Yeah, I love watching it. I still watch it in America. It doesn't matter if it's 2 a.m. or 5 a.m. I, I try and watch uh, my team play, who you guys beat the other week. So that was, uh, that was... Yeah, your crows. Yeah, the crows, yeah. We'll see how they go this year. I'm not, I'm not, too, not too sold on them um, at the moment. But you did allude to Tasmania. So mm-hmm. growing up in Tasmania, uh, the, southern, the most southern state in Australia, what was it like there? Um, what was it like growing up with a, you know, with a big family around you and uh, ha- how was football a part of your life from the beginning?
0: Yeah, I, I love growing up in Tassie. Um, I think it was a great place to, to be a kid. Um, I grew up in Devonport, which is at the, the top of the state. Um, and yeah, as you said, big family. I've got five younger brothers, no sisters. Um, you know, my, my poor parents having to deal with all of us running around um but it was it was great fun we we um lived pretty much on on the on the river on the main river so um you know big backyard and you could hop the fence and you'd be you know walking straight down to the river which was which was pretty cool um and as i said having a lot of brothers there was always someone to play with kick the footy with or shoot baskets with or um you know, I used to set up hundred lap bike races around our house <laughs> and get all of my because I was the eldest one. I'd al- I'd always win, but yeah, and I'd always I'd always crack it at my brothers if they quit halfway through. So <laughs> I was that I was that brother. Um, but it was it was a great it was a great place to go up. Um, my family is still down there now. That they now live in Hobart, which is the capital capital city, which is towards the south. And um, yeah, it was. i I love getting back and it it helps too because um uh north melbourne um the team that i play for plays um four games down in hobart per year which is part of the part of the deal they've got with the government there to bring football to tassie so i get to go home four times a year um, with work which is great yeah that is awesome that is a nice
1: um kind of collaboration north Mm. have got going on there yeah do you get to hang around after a game or before a game do you are you able to do that
0: um yeah uh sometimes I'll stay an extra day afterwards um normally commitments with the footy club are pretty limited the day after a game. they don't want us running around too much so um you know they might ask me to go for a walk in the a walk in the water which down in down in Hobart can get pretty cold particularly over the winter but um they they like to get me to do that, but apart from that, I just get to hang with my family for for a day, which is nice after a game.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, Tassie. I feel like it's um it's a bit of a underrated state in Australia. I think it it cops a bit of crap from from the rest of the country at times, but it it really is one of the m- most beautiful places in the world. I'd say without doubt, the nature in Tasmania is is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um. I, I say to people, if you're if you're a big city person who's used to um, living in, or you know like a, a Melbourne or um, a Sydney or something like that, it's it's worth going down to Tassie just for, a, you know, for a week or two, because um, you know any longer than that you can start missing the big city, <laughs> but uh, it's a great little getaway destination, um, a spot where you can go and just. Soak in the soaking the fresh air i I definitely think that the air is different when you step off the plane in, in tassie compared to compared to elsewhere so if anyone's ever in australia and um, wants a, a really nice place to just get away um, and get back to nature it's it's got some um, it's got some awesome places to go down there
1: yeah great place to disconnect for sure and hobart's beautiful as well we were down there uh, at the end of the sydney to hobart race mm. and they had a big food and wine festival going on uh, the boats are coming in uh, at that time of year as well yeah really good vibe beautiful place i i definitely want to get back unfortunately we didn't get the time to to go there this time around but i'd love to take anna um to tasmania and yeah really have a good look around it is beautiful so growing up there um you know you're you're away from the big city away from Melbourne the VFL or the AFL uh when we were growing up having fa- like I understand you had family members that were um involved at um at VFL AFL level for you growing up as a junior was that was that really helpful for you knowing that you know it really is possible to uh to make it there was it a a driver for you or were you able to um you know ask questions from those family members,
0: uh, yeah. So my uncle yep. um, was James Manson, so my mum's brother, um, and he played, he played at the highest level, which at that point in time was the VFL. It's now called the AFL, um, and he won a premiership, which is um, you know the the title uh, that you win at the end of the season if you um, be the, the opposition Bowl. in the grand final. <laughs> yeah. yep, it's our Super Bowl, and yeah. yeah, he won he won one of those, and um. You know, it was definitely a definitely an inspiration for me. Um, but I, I think even more so than that, um, was that sport was in was in my family and was in particularly my mum's side of the family. Um, my dad uh, grew up on a farm and never really played much sport himself. Um, which a lot of the time with with Aussie Rules players, it's the the father's side of the family, I suppose that um, that I suppose passes, passes that on down. But, um, but yeah, it was more my, more my mum's side of the family, um, as good as my dad is at sport. Um, yeah, so it was always in, it was always in the family. Mum and dad were, um, awesome and still are because there's so many of us, (laughs) you know, I'm 26 now, but, um, there's still, um, my brothers that they're running around to sporting events most weekends um, so they they were great you know they always gave us the opportunity to play sport growing up and I played a bit of everything I played um, obviously footy, uh, basketball, tennis, cricket, uh, whatever I could get my hands on really um, and yeah probably uh, cricket went first and then um, I played a little bit of tennis as well and um, really enjoyed that, but that was next to go. And so I had basketball and footy um, there at the end and um, it was probably only the fact that I I felt like I was a, a better... T- I, I really wanted to play professional sport. It was always my dream growing up. Um, I'd, I never thought it had um, come to fruition, but um, if it did happen, I, I, I always thought I'd love to do that. Uh, and I thought that footy, I was probably... A, Closer to being a chance to um, to have a career in it, so um, it actually I was playing basketball and footy at the same time up until I I did my ACL playing football um, in um, the year. So they call it your draft year. So at the at the end of that year, I was eligible. It was my first year being eligible to be um, picked by an, an Aussie Rules AFL team. So. Um, yeah, that that was pretty devastating at the time, but it forced me to choose between basketball and footy because after that point, I, I didn't have the time to dedicate to both, particularly since I was starting university as well. So um, yeah, I chose football after that and just thought I'm just going to give this a really red hot crack and try and make it to the, the highest level.
1: Okay, so when you did your knee, was that the beginning of your draft year, or have you had you
0: had the chance to play a few games in that in that season? So, I was playing with the the Tassie Mariners at the time, which is an under eighteen um, representative team. Uh, so, obviously representing Tasmania, uh, and you'd play against all the other all the other states. So, um, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. Um, so I'd I'd had the chance to play a couple of games already that that year, um, in, uh, in the, the under 18 championships, which, um, which pits those states against each other, um, and the, the best underage players in the, in the country. So I, I was actually midway, midway through that, um, that carnival when I, when I did my ACL and, um, before the start of that year, I, I, I didn't think that I was even a remote chance to, to play professional sport, uh, but I'd had, I'd had probably three or four good games where I'd um, kicked a few goals and, um, you know, people had started to maybe say that, you know, you might actually be a chance here if you keep doing what you're doing. And so I suppose that, those, that probably period of two months there probably implanted that idea in my mind that, hey, I'm actually, I might be good enough to do this. Um, so yeah, the ACL was pretty, pretty devastating at the time, but, um, yeah, that, that period of time really, really ingrained that, um, that idea in my mind that, hey, what I've wanted to do all, all my, um, all my childhood might actually be a chance of coming to fruition. That's, that that drove the next couple of years.
1: That's amazing. Did like multiple clubs come knocking or was you know north melbourne one of the you know only ones cuz i imagine like for those clubs they would have been asking questions about recovery the knee um but clearly you know those few games that you played was enough for those guys to say hey we're going to we're going to take ben on
0: ah uh, well it wasn't initially so okay. so i was actually you know that was when i was 17 i mm-hmm. wasn't drafted until i was 21 so it actually took me um it was my fourth time going through and applying for the draft. Okay. Before I was selected by North, so at the end of that, at the end of that year, um, I, I was interviewed by a few clubs, mm-hmm. but um, were probably put off by the injury and I, I and I like I said I hadn't put together a, a solid book of form. I'd I'd really played a few good games that maybe got the idea going for me, and maybe some clubs as well, but I actually. Um, the following year, I I came back and played um, another year with the with the Tassie Mariners as, um, as an as an overage player, and they often allow people to play as an overage player if they've uh, had a serious injury like mine, just to give them an extra opportunity to show themselves um, at that at that carnival. So I played that year, but but had um, had a bout of osteitis pubis that year, which um, for anyone who's had it knows that it's pretty um, crippling. Uh, so that year I, I played on and off um, and uh, at the end of that year missed out again at the draft. Um, I had another year playing down in Tasmania uh, for the Glenorchy Footy Club in, in the south um, and uh, had a good year again but no luck at the draft and I actually had to, had to um, decide that I was going to um, move out of home and move to Victoria and play in the play in the Victorian League, um, which has probably a bit of a higher stature um, or sits at a higher stature than the, than the Tasmanian League. Uh, and it's where, um, so in the Victorian League, that's where players who are on AFL lists who aren't picked in the senior team on the weekend play their football. So they play at the, I suppose, the second tier. So for me to move over and play in that league was an opportunity to play and mix it with with those players, and say, "Hey, I'm I'm good enough to be at their level." So, I had a year at at Werribee Footy Club in in Victoria, and it was at the end of that year that um, I was lucky enough to have North Melbourne pick me in the draft. So it was it was a little bit of a a little bit of a different way of going about it. In that, yeah, it took me four years to actually get to the to the highest level. That's really
1: cool. So, you know, seeing other people traditionally get drafted at like 18 years old or after high school right how did that play on your mind at that time like and what what kind of advice would you have for someone that was looking to do you know the same thing they've received a couple of setbacks yeah how would you you know tell them to to keep the the focus and and to keep going how did you how did you do that because I I imagine that would have been uh
0: quite a quite a tough time to to continue to push Um, yeah, I had a few moments there where, um, I thought it wouldn't happen for me and yeah, that was, that was pretty devastating at those points in time. But I think that, as I said, that couple of months before I, before I hurt my knee was, um, was really crucial for me in that I was playing, um, representative football against the best players or the best underage players in, in the country and, I felt like I could mix it with them and I never really thought that my dream of playing professional sport would would play out before that point. So I think the fact that I hurt my knee after that point, I I'd, I'd already implanted that idea in my mind that I wanted to I wanted to play AFL football at the highest level. So um yeah, that that time there probably drove me for the next the next 3 or 4 years. I just, I had this feeling that I was good enough, and even when things weren't going so well for me in terms of my form, or you know, having to move out of home and having to find my way there, I still believed that I wanted to give it absolutely everything I I had, and I, and I think that period of time there where I was playing football as an overage player and trying to trying to get drafted probably held me in good stead for when i actually got to an afl club in the end because i definitely didn't take that opportunity for granted awesome yeah
1: it's great to see i love seeing um i love seeing players you know get their chance uh at an older age we're seeing it a bit more now i think uh in the afl players that might be 25 years of age you know bigger bodies ready for afl right off the bat as opposed to someone that might have been playing you know at a at an under 18 level and coming into the club. So it is really cool to see guys like that work really hard and and get their chance. So yeah, I'm stoked to hear uh you know your longer journey got you uh, to where you wanted to be. So I suppose you've been at North Melbourne now for about 5 years. Yes, yeah, yep. six this year, yeah. 6 year this year. How did you transition to becoming a plant-based athlete? What was the what was the path for you there? Because, in terms of elite sport, you know you guys are a minority. We we're not seeing you know a huge amount of it, but it, it is becoming more and more spoken about across the globe. What was the path like for you? The transition to a, a plant based diet.
0: Um, it was it wasn't like a click of the fingers thing for me. I think probably meeting my now wife was the start of that. Journey, and that I'd never really, I'd never really thought about the idea of not eating meat until, until I met Hester, and she was vegetarian at the time. So, that probably, I suppose, got me thinking about, hey, maybe there is a, a way to live your life without having, without eating meat in it. And that was the first time that I considered that at all. So. I think that was a that was a key point, but I, I really wanted to make sure that that my journey was my own, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't meet Hester, and straight away I went, oh well, I want to be vegetarian too. It, it took me a, a good few years to to work that out for myself, and obviously I'd had to work pretty hard to um, get to the point where I was playing elite level sport, so that was really important to me, and I wanted to make sure that if I was going to Make a transition towards a plant-based diet. That I was going to do it, do it the right way, I suppose, and make sure that I wasn't going to be affecting my performance. Or, and, and you hear plenty of you hear plenty of people saying or questioning that about. Um, you know, I'd heard that being questioned about other athletes. I suppose people always look for anything that might be different when someone's form goes um, goes down or you know the first thing that gets brought up is okay what are they doing that everyone else isn't doing and so if you're if you're vegan or if you're plant-based that's one of the first things that gets pointed out oh well it must be this true that (laughs) um which uh, i suppose that was one of the things that for me when i was starting to transition towards and and i was i went pescatarian for uh about a bit over a year in close consultation with the dietitian at the at the footy club and also we've got a we've got a chef at the footy club who makes us um who makes us breakfast and lunch you know i had to make sure that both of them were on board as well and they eventually came around to the idea um you know we're cooking me fish for lunch as opposed to you know your steaks and things like that or i gradually i, I felt good about that i felt like i was doing pretty well with it um and then I was kind of transitioning towards becoming vegan. In there, at some point, I found out that I was celiac as well, so had to go entirely gluten free. Um, and and it was actually, it was actually as a result of, um, you know, going to have blood tests uh, because I was going to be transitioning towards becoming vegan, um, and those blood tests showed that. You know, I was already low on iron and low on a couple of these key vitamins and minerals. That was actually the reason why I ended up having my guts checked, and I found out that I was celiac. So, um, that was another really positive thing that came out of um, transitioning to be vegan. But um, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that I did it in in the way that suited me, and that wasn't going to be snap of the fingers really quick. I wanted to do it do it right in my mind. And that meant doing it pretty slowly and, and carefully. And gradually, I got to that point and I've been vegan just oh, a bit over a year now.
1: That's really cool, man. That's really cool. Interesting way of
0: finding out that, you know, you
1: are celiac. And also to find out that, you know, before even transitioning, that you're lower on things such as iron. How is the, you know, how do you find that the, the levels are now that you have switched? Are you able to keep them? all at a you know a healthy level
0: yeah and we we test them pretty regularly i think the actually the one of the good things i say about i say this pretty regularly about being vegan is that i'm more conscious of my eating choices now than i was when i was eating whatever and um and whenever and however i wanted to so um you know i'd probably previously just go oh you know i'll whack a steak on a plate and i'm you know, I'm comfortable. I'm getting what I need. Whereas, when I think back to how I was eating then, as opposed to how I'm eating now, I'm actually more conscious of my decision making, and and that's probably in turn better for my um, better for my sport and better for my performance. And definitely, um, learning that I was celiac changed that too, because you have got to be a lot more cautious about um, you know the places you go to eat um, if you're going to go eat, eat out, and if you if you're eating in um you know I, again my wife Esther was great she threw all of the um all of the gluten out of the house and she pretty much went gluten free as well um and she's obviously vegan as well so definitely took on that challenge together which which made it a lot easier and I, and I think the fact that she was vegan before I went vegan so we were kind of we'd gotten used to making good nutritious vegan food um before that point so that really helped me to to make that transition, already knowing those, you know, I think it's really important to have those staples that you cook um, and that you know how to cook in the house because if you just go snap your fingers, I'm going to be vegan, um, you know, it can be pretty boring if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs>
1: no, it's true. I think um, I think without the, the education and knowledge around whole foods, whole food plant-based diet and having those kind of staples in the house it can be quite easy to be led towards the you know, the more packaged um processed vegan options that are out there. So i yeah, totally agree with you there. So i'm just like picturing um you know, you're in a squad of like 40 guys. How often do you how often do you eat at the club? So, you know, for the club to to prepare vegan gluten-free meals um is that something that they're doing often for you or do you Switch between home cooked and and stuff they prepare for you at the club.
0: Um, so whenever we've got a training day, um, breakfast and lunch is provided. So it's probably four days a week. Uh, so yeah, in season. So it's it's pretty regularly. Um, I've been really lucky that the club's been so supportive of me doing it. Uh, I remember initially it was actually in an airport. I went up to our dietitian. This is when I was eating meat, and eating everything, and I said, "Hey, um, hey, Jonna." how would you feel if i went vegan and um i think his response was something like no nah, let's not go there mate <laughs> <laughs> i um it eventually got to the point where you know I'd, i did it in a way that he was really comfortable with and he really supported me through every step of the way and made sure that we sat down with the sh- with the club chef and and he was actually um preparing me nutritious food and the support has extended to even the the chef actually. Um, I, I think he still does a, a meat free day at home with his family, so that he can cook different types of um, vegan meals, so that he can kind of test run them before he brings them in um, to me at the club. Which is it's such great buy in from um, from a guy who probably previously hadn't hadn't even thought about um, vegan food. and I probably initially when I did it, I, I had a few questions and comments from my teammates at the club, uh, but generally it's been really supportive and I think the more, the more I've gone on with it and still been performing it, you know, at a high level, I think those guys have, have actually gone, hey, this isn't actually so foreign as it was when, when I first um, started going pescatarian and then when I went vegan afterwards, I think initially it was a bit like, geez, he's really going out on a limb here. But now it's uh, it's just become part of their day that they see, you know, tofu on my plate in the morning when I go in and have, have my breakfast, or you know they see they see um textured soy protein on my on my plate at lunch, and you know I've had guys ask me can I tr- can I taste a little bit of it and see what it tastes like, and um Brendan the the chef has has told me in recent times that he's had to start doing two blocks of tofu. For breakfast instead of one, because guys have started to just take a couple of bits and pop them on their plates in the morning. That's so always that's, the way. Yeah, so always it's always the way. And and even guys just um you know saying if if they've got a question they'll come and legitimately ask me about it or you know I oh I saw a documentary the other day on on Netflix you know and it just got me thinking about um it just got me thinking about eating meat and um I think that's that's probably my style has been not so much to get up in their faces and um you know and uh you know talk about it with them specifically but slowly as time's gone on I found that people have come to me and started to inquire about it and and have become more comfortable with it as part of their days because they see it every day very cool on my
1: plate yeah that's awesome it's funny that you bring up that you know once the chef starts to make these meals other players are going up and you know Grabbing a, a spoonful of it, it's the same as if you, if you take the you know the vegan meal to a you know a family gathering or uh, a birthday, whatever it might be, and you just put it on the table. Often, you know, the vegan dish is empty when uh when the night's done. <laughs> You're probably expecting to to have a little bit more to yourself, <laughs> but other people uh you know they find it appealing and they they want to try it. What kind of questions do they ask? What, what are some of the specific questions from an athlete's point of view? You know, hey, Ben, you've been doing this for a while now, man. You know, your performance is at a standard that, you know, it always has been. You haven't dropped off. I don't know what it's like for, you know, for recovery and stuff like that. But there's been no, uh, no alarm bells. What are some of the questions they, um, they have for you?
0: The questions are probably, it initially came probably at the start more as um, light-hearted jibes and prods at me um, for what I was doing and um, not so much questions, but it's just, you know, occasionally you'll just have someone ask, oh, you know, what's that? What's that on your plate? That that looks a lot like meat, you know, particularly if it's the, the TVP or, and and just that, that little bit of interaction uh and that's that's the main thing i think is that people have just become more comfortable with with what i've done over time cool um, it hasn't been specific has not mean so specific questions there'll be occasional questions about like oh what do you what do you eat when you're at home mm-hmm. the most common that all vegans would have come across how do you get your protein <laughs> um and and explaining that and it's been it's probably less my teammates because they see it every day and they, mm-hmm. they actually see what I eat at the at the footy club and they do ask sometimes you know what other meals would you have when, when you're at home, which I'm happy to talk to them about and, um, but it's probably more more so even fans, um, coming and asking me about, you know, how do you get your protein or you know, blah 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 and I, I you know, quite regularly do, um, you know you do your certain amount of um media through the footy club and through um footy shows on telly and and you know there's there's generally a question comes up about it or you know if you're doing a panel um you know the the question comes up pretty regularly that's so cool. i just i just try and i try and do it justice as much as i can
1: <laughs> yeah that's nice man you're able to reach a bit of a wider community that's exactly how i found out that you were eating plant based um uh, was there's a pretty well known guy here in melbourne by the name of Mike Sheehan, He's a a journalist. He's been um quite a high profile journalist for a, a long period of time and he has a interview show. It's kind of you know, he's a bit of inspiration for me as well as he's a very good interviewer. Um does a very good job. So are you. Yeah, thanks man. <laughs> Thank you Ben. Um you got the chance to interview Mike. Um it was a it was a really cool episode where they've kind of flipped the tables and um Ben had the chance to interview Mike for half the episode. But then Mike, he didn't let you go for too long. Yeah. He quickly, he he took back the the reins and, and interviewed Ben for the other half of the episode. And definitely one of the questions was, I understand you're eating a vegan diet. How do you get your protein? So, but having that option and that platform, uh, sorry, opportunity in that platform is really cool uh, in terms of, you know, you just answer the one question and then you're getting a whole lot of other people interested, uh, which is pretty cool. Another piece of media that I was really interested in was the Brownlow. So you and Hester went to the Brownlow and, uh, I think you might've done an Instagram post Yep. and you know, you just, I think most people say like where they got their suit from, where they got their shoes from, that kind of stuff. And yours were all, you know, vegan leather, uh, or a vegan suit. And, um, I thought that was pretty cool. What kind of media attention, uh, did you get from that?
0: Uh, yeah, got a little bit yep. from that. Um, again, it was probably just more my decision that I just wanted to, um, you know. Again, I I really like um, the Edgars mission. Um, you know, if we all, if we can all be happy and healthy without harming others, why wouldn't we? Uh, that's and I suppose that's really sums up the way I think about um, my style of. Um, going plant-based and so I suppose that that extends to uh, that extends to to clothes as well as much as as much as I can Um, so yeah that was uh, I I thought I'd just investigate the options Um, at times you just I I think I think the other thing about it is too you just got to do your best it's not about being perfect I think we, we can all be we can all get uh, be a little bit too harsh on ourselves at times, and and try to try to be a hundred percent perfect. But you you know, to try and make the the perfect environmental um, animal welfare healthy choice is is hard. And so, uh, yeah, in that in that case, I just um, did a bit of did a bit of research, and Hester did a bit of research too. Um, to tell you the truth, I can't claim all of the, <laughs> I can't claim all of that one, but um, on which places might be able to, might be able to kit me up. And yeah, I was, I was able to find a couple of places that were able to kit me out and yeah, ended up being able to do it, um, pretty much entirely vegan. So yeah, yeah that's really
1: that's cool. Good. Yeah. That extends to, yeah. I mean, the again, for the, for the people at home, the Brownlow medal is basically like the MVP award of the competition. So a lot of media attention. There's a lot of, there's always been a lot of attention on, on the fashion, the fashion side of things so for you to make that conscious decision to say hey i've got an opportunity to you know again extend my compassion to uh the clothes i'm wearing for the brownlow. low why not hmm. let's go seek out um you know some places that could could help there um i'm sure it got a lot of people thinking again oh yeah, it's not just I, the food yeah and it was yeah. great
0: that it got a bit it got a bit of coverage and I, I think that's great but it was just a decision that i made for me yeah And I think that's what all of this is about for me. Is that um, you know I just want to do the best job that I can, Um, and it just it being vegan fits in with my values. That that makes it a bit of a no-brainer as far as those decisions. The fact that as AFL players here, particularly in Melbourne, um, you're in the spotlight a lot of the time. That's that's probably a separate part of it. But for me, I just want to. I I I've thought a lot about okay, what are the values that I want to live by as a person, and that's just something that fits into that. So, yeah,
1: I think that's a fantastic message for for anyone listening. Um, and you see, I suppose in in the media here currently, uh, the election it's been a big you know um, a big thing around Australia. It's just recently happened this weekend, and I've seen a lot of backlash on. You know, on social media, people not happy with the, you know, the result. But what you said there, I think, is really important. And yes, it would be nice for the government to be able to, you know, uh, reflect the interests of, you know, Australians in terms of climate change, that kind of stuff. But if it is something that is um is important to you, to look back at your own actions and, and pair those up. I think that's something that we all can take control of. Um, whatever is important to you, uh, you can align that with the decisions you make on a daily basis. Yeah, I think that's a great step for for us to go in. Is just um, being conscious of those and uh, aligning values with with decisions. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool, man. With um with with other players out there uh, or other athletes out there that are looking to switch, have you got any any tips for them? You know, having worked with. Yeah, professional chefs, nutritionists, uh, being around other players in a team sport, having media attention, all that. You've got a lot of experience. So yeah, have you got any tips for guys out there that might be interested um, in in adopting a plant-based diet as an athlete?
0: I think for me, doing it slowly was something that worked for me. So I, I feel like if I, had, if I had decided one day to go vegan, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it because I think it takes a lot of preparation to get to that point. You know, one that a lot of people have started to do is like you do your meat free Monday or something like that, which is a great way to sort of slowly decrease your, your footprint, I suppose. Whether it's whether it's for... And, and the other thing is, as, as I said before, think about what you value. Is it something that you really value? Because if you decide that, um for whatever it is if you really value your health i think it can be a really positive thing in terms of uh in terms of your health to to make those decisions that personally wasn't what i did it for i was more i was more animal welfare based so i went i, I don't want to harm animals as best i can and if i can live my life without doing that then that's something that i want to do so that was my personal value choice and then you know it might be an environmental thing for you you know, not so much for me. I think that's something that um, you know, my wife's definitely animal welfare based but also is concerned about the environment, so it's kind of like a um a one two punch for her. But think about what it is that you actually want to get out of it and um and why you're doing it, because if you think about why you're doing it, I think that makes it more likely that you'll stick with it. And after that, as I said before, I think transitioning slowly really worked well for me. Um, again, everyone's everyone's um, journey is very different but for me it was pescatarian. I was pescatarian, so eating fish for um, over a year before I eventually transitioned to, to being vegan. So that was that was what worked for me and, and it ensured too that I had plenty of time to build up my repertoire of of meals and recipes that I knew how to do and that I knew were actually actually really yummy because <laughs> i think that's one big thing too if you you can you can get uh, it's I, I say to guys who ask me oh you know tofu is pretty boring you know how do you how do you deal with eating that all the time and i go well you know if you cook a steak and you just you just eat the steak on its own um it's going to be pretty it's going to be pretty boring like you know everyone loves having a steak with um you know your yeah, mushroom sauce or or, or, or you know whatever it is so you know that's what people that's what people love about it but and it's exactly the same with vegan cooking you need to know how to go all right i know how to do you know we do we do a really good mac and cheese with tofu bacon and you know you 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 fry off the bacon uh or, or the tofu in a um with you know i think it's five ingredients and then you pop it in the oven so it crisps up really nicely and then you've just got that nice little bit of, um, and, and it's a bit of protein, yeah, but it's also, it tastes really good too. So, knowing those little tips and tricks along the way that you kind of get used to, to doing, it makes the journey a lot easier um, because you're actually enjoying the food you're eating too.
1: Totally, definitely. it's um, It's helped us like actually enjoy getting in the kitchen. Mm. Didn't cook a whole lot before we before we switch. So, yeah, learning new recipes, new ways to cook, um, new flavors, that kind of thing is uh, has been really fun. Have you got like a go-to? You've mentioned the mac and cheese. That sounds delicious. I think I might need to get the, the tofu bacon recipe <laughs> yeah, from you. Absolutely. But have you got any go-tos in terms of, um, yeah, meals that you might have after training or recovery uh, meals, anything so like that?
0: I always did a spaghetti bolognese before every before every game the night before every game that's just my my go-to you know I'd uh, when I was when I was eating meat I'd I'd have my mince and you know um, make it up with with my nice glutinous spaghetti <laughs> um, obviously don't can't do the can't do the um the uh, the normal pasta anymore so I do you know your gluten-free pasta but now I do it with um, TBP so um, which is just as good, if you know how to. Uh, um, and essentially, it's the same thing. You put it in. I I get the sort of dried T V P, and then um, bit of stock gives it that meaty texture. Um, and after that, it's the same. It's the same meal. Just put together your your tomato sauce, and if you know your right herbs and spices and things like that to throw in, it tastes amazing. Um, with a bit of a nice bit of vegan cheese on top.
1: Yeah, it does the trick. We had, a, we had a bolognese last night. It was a lentil uh-huh. bolognese. Um, you know, not as... I suppose the textures aren't as similar as the TVP. Mm-hmm. That stuff's really cool um, for a substitute. But yeah, it's, uh, it's fun just getting the meals that you used to like and just veganizing them.
0: Yeah. I think that's
1: a good way to start as well because it's quite easy to... It's normally one ingredient or two ingredients that you have to think about and, and switching as long as the herbs and the spices are there. Yep. Then you really don't see a whole lot of difference nah, in terms of what's on the plate.
0: Nah, uh, people, uh, that's one actually coming back to your point before, what do people ask? Uh, what questions do people ask? And I think the one of the more common ones I get from my teammates is, oh, do you ever miss eating meat? Do you just wanna, Do you just want to lop into a steak or... You know, eat some chicken or whatever it is. Nah, I I never do. Um, and yep. even even when I was eating fish, people would say, "Oh, you know, you're eating fish now. Do you ever get sick of fish? You just want to eat, you know, you just want to eat some steak." No, I never do. I never even think about it anymore, because the food I'm eating is is good. I really enjoy it. Um, we've got our places that we like to go out and eat food. Um, our sort of staple places like your Smith and Daughters. I know you you spoke to Shannon Martinez recently yep. and. Um, You know, we love that place. Um, definitely recommend that to anyone traveling here or any Australians. A fantastic place to go. Yeah, we've got our cafes that we go to. But yeah, I I never think about it anymore. It's just, it's just so much a part of our lives that we never have to think about it anymore. It's just... Yeah, I think it's the alignment of values. I think once the...
1: Mm. Once, you know, coming from an animal welfare point of view and you're you've found a way to to eat i mean even dress you know those types of decisions once you see it's possible to not harm another animal if that's what you believe then it's it's unlikely that you're going to go back to the way of life before um it's just not really an option or you don't see it as food anymore mm-hmm. things like that and it's it doesn't become such a big thing in your mind um other people might be like oh how how is that possible but yeah, I think you're doing an amazing job of showing the way and just saying, yeah, it's it's possible. Mm. So I think it's uh, a cool approach.
0: Yeah, the, the other thing is I've, I have had a lot of help and I think having, having Hester at home who's also vegan I think makes a big difference to me and has made that transition easier and the fact that our families are really supportive. You know, if I ever go home back to Tassie, um, you know, mum and dad will always be, yep, we've got your, we've made sure we've made you a vegan meal. It's all gluten-free as well, so you don't have to worry about it. You know, if we ever go around to Hester's Hester's um, parents' um, places, then, you know, they've always got that option for us. After um, after our little daughter, Isla, was born, we had Hester's um, parents who, who are living over here now. They were both bringing us over food and going, yep, we've, we've done all that for you. Don't worry, it's all vegan. Having that support just... Um, it, ma- it does make it a lot easier and I think it's important to remember that people's journeys are very different and there are different obstacles and barriers in front of people. As I said before, um, I love the idea that, um, you know, if we can be happy and healthy without harming others, why wouldn't we? That's what I live by. But I think it's, it's important that we're, we're kind to each other as well i I love being kind to animals but I love being kind to to other people as well and I think being respectful of other people's um, journeys and that each each person has got different barriers in front of them they may want to transition to being vegan but it 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 may not work for them and I think that it's really important to keep that in mind too absolutely man
1: yeah couldn't agree more I think it's it's something that we can often forget in the i think in the vegan world we do see you know a little bit of angst a little bit of frustration towards people that aren't making the change but if we get back to the i think the baseline of what veganism is about is compassion it's not just extending that to animals uh, as important as that is just remember that you know the human person that you are talking to that might not be vegan also deserves the kindness uh, that you're uh, extending to to the non-human animals on this planet, so couldn't agree more, man. I think that's a uh, a really nice way to to live. Speaking of family, we hear little Isla in the background. <laughs> she's the, been
0: she's been talking a lot this morning. Yeah, she?
1: she's uh, Ben's new daughter coming to the world. She's only five months old.
0: Yeah, nearly five months now.
1: So how is that bringing a you know bringing a baby into the world? Um, you've adopted this you know plant-based lifestyle. I suppose people are also now wondering what it's like bringing up a baby as a as a plant based eater. Or are you bringing up Isla as a plant based eater? What are the questions that are going through your head, and and how do you uh, approach that with a yeah with a with a daughter here now?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty common question that gets asked too. The more we come on, the more I'm thinking about all of the questions that actually that yeah. I actually do get asked. Um, yeah, and that's, that's one of them is, oh, is Isla going to be vegan as well? I think for a start, um, you know, we've been lucky enough that, uh, Hester's had no trouble, uh, breastfeeding Isla. So obviously she's, she's just been, um, she's been on breast milk so far pretty much, which is obviously vegan. So, (laughs) um, we've had to, we've been able to put off that, uh, put off that decision making process so far, but I think as long as, um, Isla's gonna be healthy and, and and happy as a as a little vegan. We'll try and bring her up that way. Um we've obviously got a a gluten free house as well. So that's another one that we've got to um take into account. We don't want to be uh limiting her her sort of growth by uh not having her exposed to to, to gluten at various points. So we've discussed that and you know, Hester's said, Oh, you know, maybe when I'm out and about, I might expose her to some just so that she's getting a little bit of that um, that exposure. Uh, so yeah, I th- I think we'll just keep talking to the, the doctors and dietitians and people that know um, about these things uh, just to make sure that Isla's growing up into a happy, healthy little girl. Um, and as long as that's the case, I think we'll try to keep her as, as vegan as we can along the way.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably... This is probably the easiest point, right? Mm. This is where she's like, you know, I suppose not um, not influenced by friends mm-hmm. or, you know, people at school or anything like that. I suppose that's when it can become a little bit of a different experience for them. So, yeah, I think now's a good time to let her just experience the uh, the vegan stuff. And yeah, have you thought about that when, when she starts getting to school and, and and what it might be like then?
0: Um, yeah, I think to start with, I think the world is definitely changing and it's becoming a lot easier to be vegan and be plant-based. Um, even since I went vegan, um, and since Hester went vegan a few years ago, the range just in the supermarkets is, um, you know, it's, it's amazing compared to when we, to when we started. Um, so I think that, that is changing and the amount of acceptance is changing, but I think for us, the key thing is um values are really important to us and what we'll try to do with isla is just to make sure that we're imparting the values that that we live by as a family and going okay this is what's important to us after that point you know you can make your own decisions once you get to a certain point you've got to become your own person and that involves you know maybe challenging the way that we do things and that's fine i think that's that's really healthy if you're just growing up doing things because your parents do them that's one thing but if you understand why your parents do them and then you're able to make an informed choice as a result then i think that is that's going to hold her in better stead so we're just going to we're going to put the information that we have out there and after that she can make her own choice and um you know we'll always love her and support her no matter what that will be
1: That's awesome, man. Yeah, I think younger generations always have something to teach the older generation. So when we're, you know, when we're getting into our 40s, 50s, 60s, I have no doubt in my mind that there will be something out there that Isla's learning, that, you know, uh, the future kids of this world will be learning and they'll be needing to teach us about that Mm -hmm. and it's important for us to stay open to learning about that and, uh, yeah, Hopefully, being able to integrate it into our lives. I know it gets harder as you get older because you get more in your, your routine, routine, and in your way of life. Uh, and adopting things at an older age can often be a bit of a barrier for people. Uh, so I hope that I am um, keeping my mind open to the to the future generations for sure. Mm-hmm. Work outside of uh, footy. Mm-hmm. What uh, I know you're you're active in in a couple of different spaces outside of football um so obviously football isn't you know the only thing uh, that is is in your life what kind of opportunities have you had and again what yeah what movements are, are you involved with outside of afl
0: uh we'll just start with i suppose for any professional um sports person the career is is relatively short as far as your your working life's concerned if if you get to age 30 or 32 you've had a pretty amazing career with a bit of longevity so um but you've still got 35 years to go of you know work after that point so you've got to be you've got to be prepared for um life after football or life after sport no matter what that sport may be so i've finished a um an arts degree at uni which i started um i suppose in those couple of years that it took me to, to get drafted in the first place so um so i did a journalism and sociology degree at uni so that's that's i suppose an option for me to progress down that path and i've also done some um some work uh coaching um or helping to coach with um with our women's footy side our afl uh, women's side which i i've really enjoyed um you know i never thought that i'd be interested in coaching i thought you know once footy was done i'd probably want to leave it behind and maybe that'll still be the case but you know uh, the fact that i've really enjoyed working with um with our female players is, is great and that's that's a growing space um uh a, a massively growing space in australia which i love um but i'm also privileged to be able to um you know uh devote some of my time to to charities and organizations too so um our watch is one that hester and i are actually both ambassadors for which is um, a domestic violence prevention agency. So definitely, we're both passionate about that space and about the gender equality space in general. So uh, we work with um, North Melbourne Football Club's um, gender equality uh, working group. Uh, so that's probably looking more internally at our football club and trying to, um, I suppose, uh, elicit change within the within our club, and then uh, also. Um, do some work with Stand Up Events, which is a, a great local um, charity which looks at um, LGBTIQ um, acceptance. So do some work with them uh, and also with um, a charity which started off in Tasmania but growing into Melbourne as well now, um, run by a great kid who I absolutely love working with. Uh, the charity is called Lenderhead Hand to Hugo, which focuses on autism spectrum um, uh, So and kids on the autism spectrum, which which I love, I love working in that space too. So the fact that um, I suppose I, I play football and it does give you a bit of a, I suppose, a, um, an outlet to, to get out into the community and to, and to help some people. So um, if I can do that while I'm in the game, it's, it's a relatively short time that I'll be in the game. So if I can make a little bit of an impact in some areas, then I'd love to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good to hear. Um, yeah, you're right. AFL players in Australia, um, you know, NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball players uh, in America, uh, Premier League soccer players in in the UK and Europe. Whatever it might be, you guys really do have just a massive platform and a huge influence. So it is cool to see you, I suppose, vocalizing and being part of the the, the wider community in areas that are, are close to you. Uh, it's also cool to see that some of those areas are quite uh, integral to footy, whether it be men's or women's footy. You know, quality, uh, standing up for LGBT community as well um, in AFL. And uh, the women's AFL is really, really awesome to see, man. The women's footy is relatively new to Australia at a professional uh, WAFL level. It's been very exciting to see. Uh micros are... Doing quite well. They've won two of the last three premierships. What's it been like for the footy club introducing a women's team? It, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the first year North Melbourne right. had um, had a team in the comp. Uh, so, what's it been like for the club to to introduce a new team?
0: Uh, I think it's been overwhelmingly positive experience. Um, yeah, the the AFL women's season runs. Um, Kind of right at the start of our year, so while we're still in our pre-season, or the AFL men's players are still in their in their preseason, so um, that meant that I was able to get along to some training sessions and 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 a few games as well, uh, to sort of help out on match days, which I, I really enjoyed, um, which I really enjoyed doing uh, both of those things. Um, but yeah, as far as the club's concerned, I, I think it has. It has made a difference in terms of um, how my teammates, um, other staff at the club um, see women's football and it's really opened their eyes to the, the fact that these women are professional athletes. They're not as professional as we'd like at the moment only because of the... the I suppose the, the, the league is still building in terms of, um, in terms of pay, in terms of hours... I think the league's still, uh, it's only three years old yep. at this stage. So, you know, the the women who are currently playing playing the game are the Trailblazers. And I I, I, lo- I love to think of Isla and others her age being able to play football from Auskick, which is, a, you know, for four, five, six, seven-year-olds, um, all the way through to, to playing, you know, underage representative football. Like, I got the opportunity to do against other girls so like for example when I was going through girls were permitted to play until they were um till they'd finished grade six at school so when they're about 12 years old um I distinctly remember rucking against so in Aussie rules for those who don't know the rucks um start the game when the ball gets bounced or thrown up and they basically run into each other and try and tap the ball down to to other players and then play proceeds from there so um they're often tall and big players the tallest and biggest so I was one of those growing up being a tall guy but a girl that I used to ruck against was taller and bigger than me when I was 12 years old and I used to be a little bit scared of her Um, (laughs) but she was actually not able to continue playing football at all when she got to age 13 when she got to high school so uh, because there weren't any teams for her and she wasn't allowed to play with the boys so um, she was better than a lot of us too Um, so the fact that, and that was fifteen years ago, the fact that at that stage girls weren't able to continue their to play, um, to play sport, meant that their development as players was obviously really severely halted. Um, so now that girls who are four, or five years old will be able to play with other girls all the way through, um, with coaches who are devoting time to them and. Uh, they can see a pathway to play elite sport is fantastic, and I'd love to just see the the league continue to to grow. This is this is our little cat Luna, which, by <laughs> the way. Luna's just, joined us. She loves getting in front of a camera when she gets the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that that is awesome. Um, I saw in the paper the other day uh, something on like a it was a Sandringham Dragons under eighteen side you know, a women's team. So, yeah, slowly but surely, the leagues across the country at all levels, uh, state representation, professional, grassroots, are all getting around the women's, um, yeah, the, uh, the women's teams. So, awesome to see. I'm psyched for it. i glad it's, yeah, now front of mind for a, a lot of Australians and can't, can't wait to see it progress into a longer season and um, just see it grow. Longer season, more teams, more attention, more equal pay, um, all of that. Um, I'm oh, looking it's forward just,
0: to that. It's just, I find it unbelievable that because I was born a, a boy instead of born a girl, um, that I get the opportunity to play elite level sport, um, earn a really good wage doing it, have a platform to speak out um, about issues that I care about. That doesn't happen. If I was born a girl, and that's not my choice it's not even my parents' choice <laughs> um, so the fact that that is the case just for me it's just it's a no brainer that we try and um, help women to um, be able to have this the same opportunities that that um, that men have uh, it's yeah it's a no brainer for me <laughs> absolutely not love that you're using. It,
1: your platform, exactly what you said, to just speak up for things that uh, are important to you and important to. Uh, I think the growth of society in general. Uh, it's it's going to be really important for us to um, to continue to support. And honestly, if you're in Australia uh, and you're listening to this conversation, uh, my recommendation to you would be to get around to a women's game, support it, attend. Uh, we, we got to one before uh the season was out. I think it was the last round of the season. Went to Vic Park. I loved it. Suburban ground. Uh Collingwood played Brisbane and uh yeah, the the vibe of the game, the, it was beautiful weather outside in Melbourne. It's a great time of year. You know, it's the end of summer. Get out to a game, support the league and um that's gonna be the most important thing I think in in growing this is um giving the attention uh, it deserves so yeah you're spot on man uh great to see you speaking up for those um yeah those people and those groups to round it out i'd love to hear what you think is i suppose in the future uh in in the future what can we expect or what do you think might happen uh with plant-based diets uh and elite athletes because there's a lot of talk about uh, longevity, recovery, those types of things and uh, we're seeing guys like Tom Brady win Super Bowls at 41 on a on a plant-based diet. Um, so, how do you think it's going to play out in the future and do you see it having a place in Australian sport?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I suppose it's, it's definitely a, a big thing and it's definitely been talked about um, amongst us at the footy club that we're seeing a lot more nba players nfl players um etc take on uh take on plant-based diets and and do well um and and a lot of them are doing it for health or as you say recovery um based reasons i know i've read um i've read articles and comments from from um nba players talking about how they feel quicker lighter on their feet able to recover easier on a plant-based diet um personally as i said before it's that's that's not so much the reason why i went vegan so um i can't really talk to that so much but you know i think that will start to i suppose influence other people the more people the more people discover that hey this isn't actually going to this isn't going to destroy your career <laughs> it's uh it it might even improve it and i think that's the big and, and it was actually scary for me too when I was taking it on. It's like, is this going to be something that, you know, I've worked so hard to get to, to the point where I'm playing elite level sport. I don't want to change anything because if I change anything, that might be the thing that, you know, tips my form over the wrong side or, or whatever it is. But, you know, for me, I, for me, all I can say is that I, I didn't really notice any difference at all. And I was able to continue to perform at the level that I that I wanted to. And I think the more stories that we see of people doing that, and, um, and continuing to be successful or taking the game to another level, uh, the more that idea will become more commonplace and, and less, less, I suppose, the other in terms of, in terms of thinking about that. So it, it, it'll happen. It'll happen slowly. And, and as I said before, I think it's, it's each individual person's decision to, to make that choice. And, and it's only going to happen... And people are only going to continue to do it if if they do it of their own devices and with all the information in front of them. And that's all I'd say is that you know do your research. Ha- actually, start to have a think about it because um, it can be a really positive thing for your life too, if it fits in with your values. Yeah, do your research, get your information, and um, I think you'll find that it's not as not as daunting as you first as it first seems.
1: Awesome! I think that's a great place to to round it out ben thank you for firstly giving up the time today to to speak with us but also also for sharing your story and being so yeah so vocal in the areas that you know are close to you and and using your platform uh to be kind to to humans and other animals so thank you ben uh yeah loved meeting you man thank you very much
0: thanks matt thanks anna
1: as well (laughs) cheers Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed today's show with plant-based athlete Ben Brown. Anna and I really enjoyed meeting and chatting with Ben, Uh, so a huge thanks to him for giving up his time amongst his busy schedule. Uh, We were blown away by all that Ben does, not only for the animals, uh, but for the charities and organizations he helps in his spare time. It's so refreshing to see someone who's in the spotlight in Australia Uh, using their platform to speak up on so many topics that they're passionate about, uh, but are also really important uh, in today's society. So if you're interested in checking out any of those organizations, please go to uh, ourwatch.org.au, standupevents.com.au, and also lendahandtohugo.org. If you have any questions, as always, Please send me a message over at VegTalk on Instagram. That's V E D G E T A L K. And I would be yeah, happy to have a chat with you on that uh, on that platform. But until next week guys, keep it plant-based and I'll see you all again next week. Cheers.